Hello and welcome to the Andy Lampert podcast. I'm Andy Lampert. I have a bit of a raspy voice. Um, I'll explain why. Uh, A few days ago, I received my second COVID vaccine and I've been ill ever since. Uh, I made a podcast that night and at the time I had a dull headache and some pain in my legs. Well, that all intensified, and by the next morning, I could not get out of bed. Um, It was insane. I had a fever of 102 that really wasn't going down without Tylenol, and even with Tylenol, it wasn't going down all that much. So I was in bed the entire day and the entire night. Uh, the next day, I felt a little bit better. I was able to crawl out of bed, and I spent the entire day on the couch. I felt really lousy. Today, I was able to get myself in the shower and get outside for a little bit, um, but I have a wheezing cough, and uh, my throat is raspy. Uh, cough drops only help a little. So hopefully by tomorrow, I'll be on the other side of this for the most part. But it has been a rough couple of days. I hope all of you who have gotten the vaccine did not go through what I did. Uh, it was not fun. And now there's always rumors of booster shots in the future that this vaccine will not end up protecting us for all that long. I don't know the truth behind it. I've heard a few news reports. I even asked the woman at the pharmacy where I got the shot, and she didn't really know what I was talking about, which I'm not 100% sure was the truth, but you never know. We'll see what happens, and hopefully these booster shots will not make me as sick or even worse sick than I have been the last few days. So uh, if you hear me coughing, I'm still yelling in this podcast into my phone, so I don't know how to edit a podcast yet. Somebody will have to teach me. But that's where I'm at uh, as far as... Um, the vaccine goes, and I just wanted to give an update. I was uh, looking at the uh, news line on my phone, and uh, under the entertainment part, I noticed that Netflix is close to a deal with a director named Joachim Renning. He's a Norwegian director. Uh, He's made a few films. Uh, One of them was like Pirates of the Caribbean, one of the Uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Uh, He directed that film. Well, he's slated to direct a Kiss biopic. And although to any of Kiss fans that are listening to this podcast, you might be excited about this. I'm not really that excited about this. Uh, A few years ago, might even be more than a few years ago, Kiss was supposed to make a documentary with, I believe, a director named Alan Parker, who's a great director. And um, 
I was really looking forward to seeing this documentary on KISS. And the news reports on it just disappeared. I figured maybe they were working on it. But, um, you know, it was one of those things that all these wild projects that KISS start, but uh, sometimes they don't always come to fruition. But I would have rather seen that uh, than this supposed biopic that's going to be made. And I read that Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons are going to be very involved in this. And, you know, nothing against them. They have been together for 50 years doing this KISS thing. They are the leaders of KISS. They are the main songwriters of KISS. But, you know, if you listen to Paul Stanley's interviews on coming out with a new record or putting out new music... He doesn't see it happening because people just want to hear the old stuff. They don't want to hear the new stuff. Well, that's kind of how I feel about, you know, this biopic as far as like, yeah, they're going to discuss getting Ace and Peter in, but are they really going to go and stick with the story of the main four? Are they going to go over to the other members of the band? I mean, is there going to be an actor playing Tommy Thayer and an actor playing uh, Eric Singer? You know, are they going to have actors playing the other members of the band? That will take a lot of time away from what people are really interested in, in my opinion, is the original four members of KISS. Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, and Peter Criss. And I, I really believe that that would have been, that would be much more interesting. And maybe they would end the biopic when they're playing Madison Square Garden for the first time. That would be a great ending for me from the beginning up till the time they made it. But I think that that's not going to be what happens. And that's why I'm leery about this biopic. I mean, Who's going to play them? Are they going to show actual concert footage of KISS playing? Or are these four actors going to become KISS on stage? Can they pull it off? I don't know if anybody can. Because with all the craziness, KISS also had a... There was like a sense of humor about it. And I don't know if an actor can really convey that. That's why I think, in my opinion, they should have stayed on the path of a documentary. Heck, they could have made it hours and hours long in chapters because their story over 50 years is incredible. The band is still together. It's not the original lineup, but two of the original members are still in the band. That's an unbelievable feet. But uh, I hope that the biopic is a success. I wish them all the luck in the world. Kiss is uh, my favorite, one of my favorite groups of all time, going back to when I was 10. I'll, I'll do another podcast about Kiss, but I just wanted to get that out there because I, I really, uh, 
It really surprised me when I saw that article. So good luck, Joaquin Renning and Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Uh, best of luck with your adventure going to make this biopic. Uh, I recently bought uh, a CD that I already had the vinyl of, but uh, I just wanted it so I could listen it to my car. I could listen to it in my car. Um, what I bought was a humble humble pie performance rock in the Fillmore. I don't know if any of you have this uh, either on CD or vinyl, but it's definitely worth getting. Humble Pie were such a great band. And um, Rockin' the Fillmore is the CD to get, is the album to get. It was actually a double album uh, that was released uh, November 1971 in, Amer- in America. It was released on A&M Records. And it was, take- it was recorded at the Fillmore East, which was on 2nd Avenue near 6th Street in New York, and it was recorded May 28th and 29th, 1971. And uh, it's funny because the venue closed about a month later. Uh, It actually closed uh, June 27th uh, for reasons uh, that the way people went to concerts had changed. You know, these type of arenas didn't work anymore because these bands could fill up stadiums. But that's a whole other thing. And um, Humble Pie's original lineup is on this album. with Steve Marriott, who played the guitar and sang and played harmonica. Peter Frampton, who played guitar and sang. Greg Ridley, bass and vocal. And Jerry Shirley, drums. And the concerts were engineered by the great Eddie Kramer. Uh, The CD runs about 72 minutes. The album, too. There are seven songs total. And it's an exceptionally great album. With the exception of one song, this this is an album full of cover songs. But... Most of these songs don't sound anything like the original. I think what Humble Pie would do is to take the basic of a song and then jam for hours and hours, let Peter Frampton do his incredible solos on the guitar and Steve Marriott, incredible voice, rose over that. They all sang except the drummer and they each got a line in a song and I think that's what the main course of the group wanted to take. But when you have a singer like Steve Marriott, there's no competition, even if you are a great singer. And uh, shortly after the album was released, Peter Frampton left Humble Pie because, you know, you're not going to compete as frontman with Steve Marriott. And it ended up being the best thing Peter Frampton ever did because he became a superstar by the mid-70s, you know, with Frampton Comes Alive. And uh, I remember he had an album, I'm In You, and he's just great, period. Uh, The album starts off with an Ida Cox number called Four Day Creep. 
I've heard Ida Cox's original song. It sounds absolutely nothing like the way Humble Pie did it. Even the words aren't really the same. So I'm not sure why uh, they credited her for this. Um, I mean, even the guitar riff is nothing. I mean, uh, the clip I saw of Ida Cox was her and a pianist, and he was not doing the uh, riffs. Um, I totally love this song, the way Humble Pie do it. Um, Each vocalist has a line. Again, you know, it starts off with Greg Ridley, and then Peter Frampton, and of course, then Steve Marriott, who just is, his voice just goes unbelievably powerful. It's it's incredible. Uh, the next song is I'm Ready, which is a Willie Dixon tune that Muddy Waters uh, recorded, and Humble Pie's version is 8 minutes and 31 seconds long, and it's kind of like unrecognizable to the Willie Dixon Muddy Waters tune. Um, it's it's eight minutes thirty one seconds long, like I said, and there's just guitar riffs and vocals and just a wall of sound. I love it. The third song, which is the last song on side one, is Stone Cold Fever, and this is the only original song. By Humble Pie that's on this album and it is just wonderful uh, incredible riff Steve Marriott's vocals uh, it, it's it's wonderful I, I truly love this version I have uh, the recorded version and you know there's nothing better than live Humble Pie Side 2 is uh, made up one song it's 23 minutes 25 seconds long I Walk on Gilded Splinters. It's an old uh, Dr. John song, and both versions are worth checking out. Uh, Dr. John's version is not 23 minutes and 25 seconds, but it's absolutely worth checking out. Uh, Side 3 is also one song. It's a Muddy Waters song, Rolling Stone. It's 16 minutes and 7 seconds long, and... It is tremendous that they were able to really rock out on this song because if you've ever listened to Muddy Waters' version, it's a very early Muddy Waters song, um, Rolling Stone Blues. Uh, It's just Muddy and a guitar, and that's it on the original record. Also to note that the band The Rolling Stones got their name from Rolling Stone by Muddy Waters. So I think that's pretty cool. But Humble Pie's version is really, really good. Then we're on to side four, and they start with a Ray Charles cover, Hallelujah, I Love Her So. In my opinion, this cover song sounds like a cover song of a Ray Charles tune. Um, what I mean by that, maybe I'm not being clear, is that you know the song when you hear it. The other cover songs, it's like, like I said, was some are sometimes unrecognizable, even though they're all awesome. 
So Hallelujah, I Love Her So by uh, Ray Charles. And I read that one of Steve Marriott's uh, favorite artists was Ray Charles and was a big influence on him. And the seventh and final song is I Don't Need No Doctor. And this, I believe, is one of their most popular tunes of all because this is the only song I've ever heard by them on the radio. And uh, I've heard a few different versions, and it's a great song. Ashford and Simpson, who uh, had a few hits in the 80s by singing their own stuff, started out as songwriters. And they, together with Joe Armistead, wrote I Don't Need No Doctor. And it is kick-ass rock and roll, and I love it. And it's although it's not my favorite version of the song, my favorite version was a live video I saw of Humble Pie when David Clem Clemson was was in the band. He's the guitar player that took over for Peter Frampton. And I thought Marriott's head was going to come off his shoulders. He was just, his voice was just screaming this song. And it's a great tune and a great way to close off an album. Um, so there's seven songs total. In 2013, Omnivore Records got their hands on the entire set that they did on May 28th and 29th, 1971. And there were four sets total. And they put out a four-CD rock in the film or the complete recordings. And I hope to hear it someday. I'm going to try to find it and get it one of these days. Uh, it, it, it's definitely worth getting if you like Humble Pie as much as I do. Now, a lot of people like this album because it was the band's first gold record, which is, uh, a great feat for a band, especially one like Humble Pie, because I think Steve Marriott just wanted to be part of a band and he wanted to be a blues guy and rock out, but he was so much more than that. And I... I fear that, uh, you know, he never was completely satisfied with his projects because it never went the way he wanted. And uh, I hope I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem to be that way. I recently bought Steve Marriott's one of Steve, uh, biography about Steve Marriott, and I hope to read it soon. I'll definitely review it on this podcast. Humble Pie were a great band. I've said it before, and I will say it again. They're one of the best. Jerry Shirley was a solid drummer. Greg Ridley was a great bass player and a good singer. Peter Frampton, awesome guitarist and vocalist, and eventually incredible solo artist, and the great Steve Marriott, great guitarist, great harmonica player, unbelievable singer. So if you get a chance, get yourself a copy of Humble Pie Performance Rockin' the Fillmore. You will love it. Thank you for listening. Until next time, folks. Hey, Andy. Super good. Uh, The whole bit about the bifocals was awesome. I'm thoroughly enjoying the podcast. Also, I wanted to say that I really liked uh, Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I 
that one I really, really, really enjoyed. Um, I remember, I think I saw it in theaters when it came out. I really enjoyed that one. Um, I really liked Into the Spider-Verse as well, and all the new modern Spider-Mans. Um, the, the whole bit about uh, Crosby, bad story there, um, kind of alienated. And I read Graham Nash's book and uh, hearing kind of about him through Graham Nash. I mean, the dude was a nightmare, but anyways, uh, just wanted to drop you a voice note. All right, take care.